Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Let's start here, where I think the answer begins for everything and everybody, in the place of acknowledgement. Indigenous peoples in this country have taught me the most about what acknowledgement truly means. So everything that I've created for you happened here on Treaty 7 land, which is now known as the center part of the province of Alberta. It is home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, made up of the Siksika, the Kainai, the Pikani, the Tatina First Nation, the Stony Nakoda First Nation, and the Métis Nation Region 3. It is always my honor, my privilege mostly, to raise my babies on this land where so much sacrifice was made, and to build a community, invite a community in, talk about hard things, as we together learn and unlearn about the most important things, that we were never meant to do any of this alone. Amazing humans, welcome, welcome in, welcome back. Uh, today, I cannot tell you how excited I am. Sam Dema is in the house. This kid, I don't know how he's done this already because it's taken me a very long time to get here. He's a best-selling author, one of the youngest keynote speakers in education and association sectors, which basically means everything. Uh, he co-founded the volunteer organization Pick Waste, delivered two TED Talks, two TED Talks, uh, and as a result of uh, his exceptional contributions to Canada, he was awarded the prestigious Queen's Platinum Jubilee Award. So that's just a few things about you, Mr. Sam Demma. Uh, I'm honored to have you here today. How are I'm you? honored to be here. I'm feeling great. I'm super excited and can't wait to have this conversation. Ah! Okay. So this is a podcast about where you came from. Okay. Uh, and I know to the core of me that we are all like way more alike than we are different. And maybe most importantly, the difference between empathy and judgment often lies in understanding where another comes from. Mm. So tell me, Sam Demma, where would we start with you? Where have you came from? I would go to my grandparents to explain the answer to that question. Yeah. And then my parents, but... I'm ethnically half Italian, half Greek. My Greek grandparents are from Sparti. My grandfather and my grandma's from Cyprus. On the Italian side, both of my grandparents are from Sicily, Italy. And I had the opportunity this past summer, not the one we're in right now, but previously, to actually travel to the villages where they came from and see the homes they grew up in, these tiny little buildings. But my grandparents came to the country with not many resources, didn't really speak English, worked really hard to try and build a life for my parents. 
And then more recently, I came from my mama's uterus. (laughs) 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 And they raised me uh, with the values that their parents, my grandparents instilled in them to work hard and to have respect for others and to value education. And I grew up in Pickering, Ontario, still here now. Soccer was a big part of my life growing up. Uh, But ethnically, that's where I came from. And um, most of my time today is trying to spend more time with my grandparents because I don't know how much time I have left with them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So they were huge in sort of the story of how you built this idea of being connected and wanting to change the world. Like, I I mean, who was your biggest inspiration in that whole story so far? I just got goosebumps. Um, All of my grandparents were really foundational in my development as a young person. My grandfather in particular, who's passed away, he passed when I was 13. Mm. We share the same name. Everyone knows me as Sam, but my ethnic Italian name is Salvatore. And I share the same name with my grandfather, Sal. And he was someone who didn't speak much, was very quiet, worked really hard for his family, but made sure that he gave gave back to everyone he crossed paths with. He would work a couple of jobs uh, each day, sometimes, you know, sleeping for not many hours to try and give his kids a better life. When I entered the picture as a a grandkid, he would work part-time at a farm and... (laughs) He would get way too many vegetables from the plot of land he would rent, maybe like three, 400 squash. And instead of, you know, just throwing them away, he would put them in cardboard boxes, drive the city and drop them with no call, no knock on a door, just drop them on all of his friends' porches. Um, He would cut all the neighbor's grass and shovel the snow of the 102-year-old person on his street. Like it was just, he, he taught me what it meant to lead with service and love and how important family is. Right. Uh, and so he's been really foundational for me. Salvatore. I, I love that story. Now, in the line of grandkids, where do you fit? Is there, uh, do you have siblings? Yep. I got one sister. She's older than me. She's and older. Yeah, one uh-huh. year older. Uh-huh. And what's, uh, like, what's the deal there coming in as the, the boy, the grandson? Was this a big deal? That's a good question. I think because I have cousins and there's a couple of us boys... We yeah. all get valued the same, okay. um, but I'm the only one that shares the same name with my grandfather, which makes me feel like I have a special connection. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. I am yeah. the favorite. Okay. Just in case anybody's wondering, I got the name. Uh, and so when so you've been back a number of times to where everybody came from, is this true? Just the one time. One last time. Summer. Yeah. Gosh, last summer. So after your success had already sort of started, what was it like to step back into where this all began? It was humbling. The Mm. village was tiny. I actually had the opportunity to meet family and cousins that I never even knew that I had, which was extremely overwhelming in the best way possible. I wish I could have more time with my grandfather to ask him more questions about where he grew up and the things that he did. He only ever knew me as Sam, the soccer player and athlete, which is a chapter in my life that ended by the time I was finishing high school. And he knew absolutely nothing about, you know, Sam, the speaker and author and the, the person I am now. And so I really wish he could have seen those things. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I can um, see that. And yeah, it was, a, it was a phenomenal experience to go back. And I look forward to going back again yeah. um, when time permits. So but. I'm going to ask you this question. So. Um, 
there's this, a quote that I have that I absolutely love. It's death ends a life, not a relationship. Mm. Okay. So despite the fact that he's not here, right. That, that was a quote by um, Mitch album. Uh, and he was quoting, it's in Tuesdays with Maury. It's a, like a phenomenal book about tearjerker. Right? Come on. (laughs) And so as you're talking, I'm thinking so much about Salvatore and the fact that, you know, on this planet, he was with you for 13 years. Mm. Um, And as you said, some of that isn't, you know, anything that you are today, but he's in your bones. Mm. He, death ends a life, not a relationship. Yeah. He will always be your grandfather. Yeah. Tell me me what you want him to be most proud of around you. What do you, what, you know, if he, as your grandfather, what is the thing that you want to do, or maybe you've already done it because you've done so many things already that you hope will make him the most proud? Live a life of service. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I get lost in playing games that aren't as important as the game of being a good human being, spending time with the people you love and being of service to the people around you. And sometimes I get lost in competition. You know, I grew up as an athlete and so there's a little bit of competition in business. And, um, I love, I think, yeah. And yeah, I, like, I think, let's, like, let's seriously, I mean, like life is a fucking competition full stop. Right. hundred like, percent. And I think it's, it's, it's full of comparison. Don't you think? Yep. Like when you talk about your soccer story, which I want to jump into a lot, right. There's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of questions and comparison is the thief of all joy in, yeah. in so many ways. Do you, do you agree with that? I do. I also believe that it's not only too much competition with other people, but also competition with ourselves and reaching for something more and reaching for something higher. Um, I think the thing I want to do to make my grandfather the most proud is, yes, build that aspect of my life, but concern my existence more with building relationships and spending time with family and and leaving a positive difference, even if it's unrelated to the the work that I do professionally. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what I'm most proud of. And I definitely think comparison is a challenge. I've dealt with so many challenges when it comes to comparing myself to others, especially when I started in sports, but also in business. I would look at everyone else's websites and think about all the things that I don't have yet, whether it was client lists or amazing videos or large stages. And it made me feel lesser than. Um, and But what I realized was that that was someone else's 10th year and it was my first day. Mm-hmm. And comparing my first day to somebody else's 10th year is a sure way to make me feel insignificant, but it's not realistic. Right? <laughs> um, so I tried to give myself permission to let that go and empty that belief from my backpack. All right. We're going to talk backpack here in a second. I want to know, most importantly, I, I, so how did you answer this question for me? How did you get so wise? So I, I can feel Sav- Salvatore in, in your bones, right? I understand mm. that, you know, I love having conversations about multi-generational. We talk a lot about intergenerational trauma. We don't talk a lot about intergenerational gifts eh? mm. that, you know, we sort of take from our ancestors so many things. Tell me, in addition to that, like, how did you get so wise? You, 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 you talk a little bit about some of these experiences that, you know, even at this age, you've been through so many things. Can you, can you tell me about some of those things that you think sort of has contributed to this wisdom? Because I feel like, I feel like this is rare. Like if you look around people at people who are your age, right. Which is exactly what? How old are 23. you? 23. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my sweet little muffin. Okay. So at 23, when you look around yeah. at other people who are 23, how, how did you get here so quickly? Tell me about that. How did you get so wise? First of all, I'm humbled. Thank you. Second of all, 
I don't consider myself wise. So I okay, okay. It. <laughs> I love it. I um, love it. But I think the thing that the few things that have helped contribute to the knowledge I have so far is one reading books. I am a massive student of books. I run every morning and I listen to audio books. It's a big part of my life. I started reading when I was 16 after buying some gym equipment on Kijiji and a guy walking up a narrow staircase looked at me and said, sounds like you're going through some challenging things. I think you should read this book. And he told me to go read Think and Grow Rich, which is like a classic self-help book that everyone always talks about. It's so cliche. That book kind of started my reading journey. From there, I would go shopping at Value Village once a week and they had this amazing deal of buy four books, get the fifth one free. <laughs> and so I would just, I would splurge on the books. And so I think education and self-education has been a big component to where I am today. But the second thing, which I think is even more impactful is people, other human beings. I've had so many mentors pour into my life, so many inspirations. There's a gentleman named Sean Canungo, who's uh, like a big mentor of mine, Cody Shuin, Chris Cummins. I could list off like, 15, 20 people who are 30 years ahead of me, who for some reason gave me their time and decided that they wanted to lift me up and support me on this journey. And I'll, I will be forever grateful for everything that they've done for me and all the time they've given me because unlike any other resource, we never get time back. And so many people have freely given me theirs. And mm. it's conversations with those human beings that I think has helped me build my beliefs today. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say my parents, you know, mm -hmm. and my close friends, my parents have done an amazing job. <laughs> that sounds like I'm bragging. My parents uh, have tried their best to instill good values in me and my sister. And I try and surround myself with friends who see me for who I am and build me up. And I think the combination of mentors, self-education, my family unit and close friends has all been the result that's led me to where I am now. I love it. I love it. When I, I, I love this, this question that I ask quite a bit. Okay. So who made you great? And I've heard so many names. Mm. Um, who didn't, who was there anybody in the way when we start to talk about some of these things that sort of got in the way, tell me about yeah. some of those, not necessarily even who, you know, name names, but I just mean, you know, some of those experiences, some of those people that sort of made you, made you great too, I guess. Well, they make you great in a different way. Yeah, they do. Cause pain can be a motivator, but maybe not the most healthy one for me. There's a couple of people that actually come to mind and it still gets me a little fired up. So excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had many different soccer coaches in my time as an athlete. Some were phenomenal and instilled in me values that I carry with me to this day that helped me be a better man and a better human being, at least I believe. But I had a couple of coaching experiences that were really terrible. Mm, um, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. I work with coaches so much because I think, listen, if there's three things that I think can change the world, it's coaches, it's teachers, and it's police officers. Mm. Those three groups in my mind have so much access to people and typically um, people in emotionally dysregulated states, which means where you're going to lose your mind, where you need to be the most focused or calm. And I want to know, I don't think we spend enough time talking about minor level coaches, let alone sort of professional coaches. So tell, yeah. tell me, tell me the hardest parts about that. I pursued soccer since I was five years old. By the time I was 13, I had moved to Italy for six months to play at the professional club in the hope of signing a full-time contract. Um, 
It wasn't where my grandparents grew up though, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is why it was my first time being there last summer. Anyway, pursued it very seriously. By the time I was 17, I was on one of the best soccer teams in Canada. It was a high level program. We're training every single day, two to three hours and doing our own things and balancing school. Every moment was geared towards soccer and training. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for me, or fortunately, depending on how you think of, you know, adversity in the situations, I ended up having three major knee injuries, two knee surgeries, tore the labrum in my right hip over the next two and a half years of my life around grade 12. And when an athlete gets injured, I think the thing they need the most is encouragement and self-belief that things will improve and get better. And unfortunately, I had a coach toward the end of my career who maybe meant well, but wasn't as careful with his words. And during some of the most difficult times in my own experience as an athlete, doing three, four hours of rehab each day, I would drive an hour to practice just to sit on the bench and be with my team. And on occasion, sometimes my, my coach would make jokes. One time that I vividly remember because it really hurt, I was sitting on the sideline. My team was warming up at a practice and he yelled over, hey, kid you know, you ever going to get up off the bench and, and play again? Or are you just going to have an early retirement? And some of my teammates started chuckling. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what was the purpose of you saying that? <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying as hard as I possibly can to get myself back to game and ready fitness. Mm -hmm. um, with situations like that and a couple other things that happened with some of my teammates who had some terrible experiences that made me really angry towards this individual. Um, mm -hmm and maybe lose some of the self-belief and even passion for the sport. After I made the decision to stop playing, after all the knee surgeries, I unfollowed all of my teammates. I blocked my coach. I didn't want to see anything related to the sport. I didn't want to see anything related to this individual because it just brought up all these negative emotions and feelings. And it probably took me two, three years to heal and actually believe that I had value as a human being outside of my ability as a soccer player. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Can I tell you something? So I know I know more about hockey than I do about soccer, but tell me this about sort of the culture, um, because I think we really underestimate the the ability to um, what it means in a culture just to be like, hey, a guy's guy, and like, hey, you're gonna get off yeah. the bench, Demma? Like, let's fucking yeah. go. Um, tell me about how much, how often that happens in soccer. Yeah. So there's lots of jokes, just like hockey. Um, yeah. Although intu intuitively you can kind of feel when it's a joke or when someone's saying something that has a little more than a joke behind it. Mm -hmm. um, I love jokes. We all take jokes and we all give jokes uh, to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple experiences that I'm not, I'm not comfortable sharing because they involve other people. But there's a, there was a few things that, that, that unfolded and it just changed the way I looked at this individual. And for me, like a coach is not only supposed to make you better on the field, 
at least in my own personal belief, but they're supposed to make you a better human being and just a better person in this world. Um, and yeah, I, I think there, there's a similar culture in soccer as there, as there is in hockey to answer your question. Um, although maybe a little less, cause I know hockey can sometimes be very, very out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess my question is, I mean, I can see, I mean, I'm going to round the story back to where we started in this, in this place. Like it, because of this fella, I mean, here we are so many years later. Uh, I mean, it, it's the impetus you, you speak about it in the spoken word poem around um, the backpack. Can you, can you tell me about that? I mean, like, I, I think people really underestimate their ability to influence people both in a good way and a bad way. Okay. And I wish this guy knew, and maybe he does, just how much those words and a couple of those other experiences can Mm. really navigate or change the direction of somebody's life, right? Because you took that, and tell me a little bit about the backpack, the concept of the backpack. Was this a a big contributor, these experiences? Was that a big contributor to sort of creating this concept that you now speak around the country about? And there's many more. When I... yeah. When I started speaking a year in, I had an opportunity to join an agency that I was so excited to be a part of. And it was going to be a 10-year arrangement. And there was other details that I just didn't align with my heart and what felt like I wanted to create. And I told this individual after thinking about it for a few weeks, this doesn't feel right for me. I'm going to pass on it right now. And they told me, mark this day down as the best or worst decision you ever made in your entire life. And this is like year one, no success. Sam starts bawling his eyes out, laces up his running shoes to run around the block and like clear my mind. So I've had like a lot of similar situations where somebody's set of words has stuck on my shoulders, like, you know, 500 pounds in a backpack and, and changed the way that I viewed myself or made me feel self doubt. And during the pandemic, I was having conversations with students on Instagram live every single week to create a space where they could be celebrated and bring hundred percent of who they are to a social gathering. Um, because if someone was being disrespectful, we could remove them from the call. And I would bring students like young students up on stage and give them a chance to talk and, and build some confidence and answer some questions. And this one time a young man joined who I had never spoken to before. And he told me his biggest goal in life was to be an actor And secondly, to have 50,000 followers on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, uh, make sure you follow Dr. Jody Carrington. This is my one plug. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam Demo right back. Uh, Got it. Good. Did it. And I didn't understand why this young man wanted followers. He didn't, it didn't seem like he had a business purpose for it. And so I politely asked him, hey, what in your life would change if I snapped my fingers and suddenly 50,000 people were following you? He paused and said, if I had 50,000 followers, kids at school would stop bullying me and calling me a loser. Mm -hmm. And he said, I hate going to school. My life is filled with these people. And then he turned off the camera on his phone and went completely silent. And there was 30-ish students live watching the call who started filling the chat box with the most positive stuff, trying to make this young man feel loved and feel seen and feel appreciated a part of a community. And together we got him to turn his camera back on five minutes later and there was tears running down his his eyes. We connected him with his school guidance counselors. We sent him merchandise in the mail. We've stayed connected. 
But after that conversation happened during the pandemic, I couldn't stop thinking about the situations in my own life where somebody else's set of words had changed the way that I saw myself or affected the way that I was showing up every single day. And I started thinking about how long this young man had been carrying around somebody else's beliefs about him and using them to define who he was. And when I thought about carrying and students, the image of a backpack came to mind. And I thought if you're carrying around lots of opinions, you probably have a pretty big backpack. And that's where the backpack of belief comes into play. I have this red giant four foot backpack. And initially I was just going to make a spoken word poem about emptying your backpack and letting go of negative thoughts and opinions. And I was going to film this video with this giant backpack and post it on YouTube. But I had this backpack sitting beside my bed during the entire pandemic. And every morning I would wake up and look at this massive thing and think to myself, there has to be more to this than just a spoken word poem. And I ended up writing a book about the entire concept and how our beliefs are so important and how, um, every single one of us have a backpack and it's, it's vital that we try and reflect on some of the things we're carrying to understand who we are and where we came from and where some of our beliefs originated from. Uh, but also as a reminder that every human being has one and they're all invisible. And so we have to be very careful about what we say to others because we have no idea what they're carrying in theirs. Yes. So the whole backpack concept stemmed from this one conversation with the student and forced me to think about my own experiences with negative thoughts and beliefs that other people have placed on me or that I've placed on myself. And the tour was uh, an attempt to try and bring awareness to this concept to more students around the country. Okay. And what has that been like? Tell me about some of those moments. It has been awesome. We did the first leg from March 19th until June 19th. We started in Ontario in my grandfather's minivan. Jody. <laughs> It yeah, is 2006 did. Pontiac Montana SUV. Oh, a good Montana <laughs> will get you anywhere. We called it Van Diesel. And <laughs> it was, it That's was awesome. amazing. My, myself and a team of three others, one videographer, a tour manager, and a driver, we took this Pontiac minivan from Ontario all the way to BC. We had uh, 87 school speeches. Um, across the provinces of Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Stop Alberta, and British right Columbia. Now. And as much as it was amazing and exciting, it was a lot of energy. And I'm so grateful that it happened. I know, but Although, come on, they suck the ever-loving Jesus out of you sometimes, no? Well, I, I was reflecting on <laughs> even some social posts I've seen you put up where you push yourself to the brink of your existence and then some health challenges start arising. Like I, yeah. I developed a rash on my, on the outsides of my mouth and, and all this different stuff started happening because I was trying to give so much. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, the moments were amazing and the moments are still unfolding because we have a second leg of the tour starting in the fall and September. And I'm taking what I learned from the first leg of the trip and readjusting and planning accordingly to make sure that I don't burn out uh, during the second section of it, but it was an amazing experience um, speaking in rural communities where sometimes teachers don't go or, or students don't get as many spe speakers was a really rewarding experience. Yeah. Tell me, tell me the one kid that sticks out. Oh man. There's a, there's a, there's a young man named Logan and he was in one of the presentations and also read the book, empty your backpack. 
and was someone who had taken a different path in life. And chapter two of my book is about adjusting your timeline. This idea that there's no correct pathway in life. I think so many students get put in a box that they have to take a certain path or they're not going to be successful. And this young man wasn't doing too well in school. He started working full time in a mine at a very young age and was making lots of money, but extremely unhappy. And I think someone gifted him a copy of my book and he just recently actually sent me a message and let me know that he started his own business and it's going very successful and that he'd like to have a call with me to just say thank you. And I scheduled this call and it's coming up in like a week and a half. That's one student who sticks out in my mind, but there are so many. There was one girl in Boisevain, Manitoba who after, before the speech, we shot the basketball with her in the gym and didn't think too much of it. We didn't even exchange many words. We just shot the basketball together a few times. And after the speech ended and we were leaving the school, we were walking into the parking lot towards the minivan and she runs over and she says, I just want to say thank you so much. This is the first time I really felt welcomed in this school community. And she sent this long message afterwards about how she battles with depression and nobody knows about it. And and she really appreciated the invitation to play basketball for five minutes. And it's, it's, it's moments like that and, and stories like that that stick in my backpack and remind me why the work that you do and the work that we try and do is really important. Okay. Okay. Do you know, and this is a hard question for everybody, okay? So do you know how amazing you are? I think I forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, dive into that a little bit. How, when you think about, I mean, she's one of many. At 23 years old, you've not only changed lives, you've saved them. What is that? Where do you feel that? Mm, in my heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get tingles up, up and down my arms too. Um, I think the reason why I forget sometimes, and I think the reason so many people forget, is that we're always focused on the next thing or the next project or the next idea. And we, we don't stop to recognize how far we've already come. Mm -hmm. um, and I get stuck in that trap all the time mm -hmm. because I'm ambitious and I want to create things and do things. But I have to remind myself that there's, you know, just like a teacher, there is a human being on the other side of the work who is being very impacted by it. And like, don't discount those moments. Um, so I think, I struggle with it, but I'm doing better. I'm getting better at recognizing it and, and standing in the value. Well, Mr. Samdam, I got to tell you something. Here, you've talked a lot today about words, okay? And so I'm going to tell you a few things uh, as we kind of wrap up today about um, how amazing I think you are. I, I really want you to hear these words because as a mom of three, uh, I've seen lots of kids across this country, across North America. You are a phenomenal human being. And Salvatore, for some reason I feel, is always right beside you. Huh? And carrying on a legacy, I think, is one of the holiest works on the planet, right? When you can sort of make somebody proud. How you figured this out at 23 is amazing to me. I'm thinking about my sons as I sit here with you. I'm thinking about my daughter. I'm thinking about so many kids that just need somebody in their corner, and when you're showing up in, you know, rural Manitoba and in a van in Saskatchewan, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we have driven all over Saskatchewan. I know how <laughs> sexy this is not. Okay. Uh, never underestimate your power. 
because, uh, gosh, what, what an honor it was to sit with you today and learn from you. And I cannot wait to see where you go. I think you're just getting started, my friend. So thank you for this time. Is there anything you want to leave this community with? Because I, I mean, I hope your community follows us now and uh, I'm going to share you wide and loud because I know there's a book, there's two TED Talks, there's so many things, this tour coming up. Anything else you need this amazing group of, uh, of, of this family of mine to know? First and foremost, find this podcast and subscribe to it. <laughs> Um, find it on YouTube, find it on Apple, find it on iTunes, find it on Spotify, wherever you tune in. Uh, you've made me feel incredibly seen today. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. And for everyone else listening, I hope you continue to tune in and learn from the amazing questions that you ask and the guests that you bring on. Um, I have nothing else to, to share, but if anyone wants to reach out, they can find me by, by just searching my name, Sam Demma, on Google. You'll find everything there or empty your backpack. Ah, oh, Sam Demma. Amazing humans, thank you for sitting with us today. Uh, this kid's going places, and um, uh, just stay tuned because I think the best is yet to come. Thanks. Thanks for sitting with me today. Thanks, Jody. I'm a registered clinical psychologist here in beautiful Alberta, Canada. The content created and produced in this show is not intended as specific therapeutic advice. The intention of this podcast is to provide information, resources, some education, and hopefully a little hope. The Everyone Comes From Somewhere podcast by me, Dr. Jody Carrington, is produced by Brian Seaver, Taylor McGilvery, and the amazing Jeremy Saunders at Snack Labs. Our executive producer is the one and only, my Marty Pillar. Our marketing strategist is Caitlin Benito. And our PR big shooters are Des Vano and Barry Cohen. Our agent, the 007 guy, is Jeff Lonis from the Talent Bureau. And my emotional support during the taping of these credits uh, was and is and will always be my son, Asher. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 